Hello from your At The Flix team. Now, last time we spoke on a carry-on streaming, we were in full lockdown and things are starting to open out there. Only a little bit. And of course, TV ratings are still high. So as we head to the autumn, is what's on TV any good? There's only one person who can tell us. Hello, Deck, how are you doing? Ah, very well, thank you, guys. Getting back to the new norm. I've been let out a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's the same for all of us. So, most important question, what have you been watching during lockdown? I've been watching a lot, which are probably is the same for everyone, I should imagine. But interestingly for me, I've been watching less of the uh, noir murder thrillers and a bit more comedy, probably to try and lighten the mood a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and some pretty good dramas as well, some unexpected ones. It's been pretty good for the summer as well, because normally summers are sort of a weaker time for TV viewing. But I think, uh, yeah, it's not been too bad. Yeah. I, I tell you what, I think Christmas is going to be the weaker time because they've not made anything for it. Yeah, it's just going to be all repeats, isn't it? Oh, no change there then. Just like the BBC. I think they've held some back and I think there are some that they finished filming just before lockdown. So they've been doing post-production over the lockdown period. So they, I, I think they'll be all right. I think you won't get your usual September, October release time. I think it'll be back a bit. I think it'll yeah. be November, December. And that's when I was trying to look for this recording to see what was coming up they do all seem to be a bit later at, towards the end of 2020 so yeah there'll be no Mortman wise Christmas special this year <laughs> they're both dead that's why yes oh, there, there will be Jeff <laughs> actually Neil you're right we've yeah. already discussed repeats <laughs> <laughs> okay Dick what have you been watching then I must mention a couple of dramas that um, they're just one-off dramas but if they're still on the iPlayer first one was called Sitting in Limbo, and it's about the Windrush thing. And it's Patrick Robinson, who I only know him from Casualty, because that's, you know, he played one of the guys in Casualty. But he plays this true story of Anthony Bryan, who was detained as part of the Windrush thing, even though he'd lived in Britain since he was eight years old. It's true, and it is shocking, absolutely shocking what the government did. And his performance, for someone who's not had a starring role much before, I thought he really pulled it out of the bag, and it was a really interesting... You know, I don't know much about the Windrush stuff, only from what I've picked up, because I'm a bit younger than you guys, but brilliant. I thought, yeah, I thought it was absolutely brilliant and well worth catching as a one-off drama. So do, do they discuss the actual arrival of the Windrush from the West Indies? No, they, then... just, they just follow this guy from the moment he sort of gets arrested and, you know, detained. And it's just shocking because he was just a guy who'd lived, you know, gone to school, lived, had kids, married, all of it in this country sort of thing. And then suddenly, just because, you know, his mum came over and when he was eight, he's classed as, you know, as being an illegal citizen. And it's just absolutely shocking and you know the facts that come up at the end of the drama you know they, they they summarize all the facts and the figures it is shocking how many people that fell into this what you'd consider british and then suddenly they're sent back to a country they don't know absolutely shocking is that just a one-off program yeah. or is it a series yeah. one-off no it's okay. a one-off drama that's why i say it's worth catching yeah. you know it's, okay. it's not not a big investment and it's well worth it the other one which is another good one is another one-off drama and again on the iplayer and it was called anthony now this is Basically, Anthony Walker, the guy who was murdered in Liverpool. He's a black guy that was murdered in Liverpool. Um, and what they've done is quite clever, is they've done a sort of pretend drama of what would have happened if he hadn't have died. So they start him at age 25. They go backwards in time. 
to the point where he's murdered, if that makes sense. So they sort of, this is what, so it shows what would have happened maybe. So the, you know, based on what his interests were and what he liked, they've sort of tried to guess what he might've done. And so they've made up certain things. I don't want to do any spoilers, but they've made up certain things and it, it goes backwards. And then you get to the fateful night is right at the end. And the performance, especially by his mother, when you have the harrowing bit at the end, unbelievable performance. So someone called, she's called Raki Ayola. I haven't seen her in much else. I couldn't find her much else, but sure she has been, but outstanding performance, absolutely outstanding performance from her as the, as, as his mum. So again, based on true story, but they've obviously done this twist like 10 or 12, 10 years after he was murdered, what would have potentially happened, but a brilliant performance. And were, again, a one-off drama that's well worth catching. You, you know why that actress is so good, don't you? She's Welsh. She was born in Cardiff. Oh, she's yeah. Welsh. Yeah. Oh, there we go. <laughs> um, it's interesting that I haven't seen it, and I'm fascinated now to see it. And I just checked and seen that the writer was Jimmy McGovern, uh, the guy behind Cracker. Yeah, oh, yes, oh, yeah. Great series. And a great writer. So another mm. reason to watch it. Yeah. And talking of Welsh, I don't know if you guys caught the brilliant made during lockdown, filmed on um, software like Zoom and stuff, was the David Tennant and Michael Sheen, that amazing Welsh actor, called Staged. I don't know if you caught that. It's a drama. They're only 15 minutes long, and they're, it's just them talking to the screen, but they're trying to rehearse a play. But it's basically David Tennant and Michael Sheen just showing off, basically, I think. Hmm. It's a way of summing it, but the two very good actors, and it's very funny, absolutely funny. One of the funniest lines... How many effing rainbows does a four-year-old need to paint? <laughs> Which I thought was brilliant because you think of all the houses in lockdown and all the kids painting rainbows. And I just thought it was brilliant. So it's so topical and it was so uh, – and, and even you get appearances from like Judy Dench and, and other people dropping in and making appearances. Really good. All literally an idea that must have come up when lockdown happened and they made it and it got it you know, shown during lockdown. So it's brilliant. That, that, again, sounds really good. On the subject of Michael Sheen, have you been watching The Prodigal Son? No, I haven't. What's, what was that on? So that's on Sky, and it's Sheen plays a Hannibal Lecter-style serial killer who's imprisoned. And as you know, in Silence of the Lambs, you've got Jodie Foster that comes in there, and they have this sort of banter, and he's playing offer and all this sort of stuff. Well, in The Prodigal Son, it's his son who is a member of the police department. He comes to Sheen when he needs help on cases. And of course, the Sheen character is playing everything for his own ends. It's not brilliant, but it's interesting. Excellent. I might try and catch that one then. And then some of the more lighthearted stuff that I mentioned at the beginning, to you know, obviously lighten the mood and that. These things, that you, you sort of stumble upon these things. Some of them are really good. And a couple that we watched was one, again, this is still an iPlayer at the moment. So there's one called The Other One. It's a bit silly, but it's, it's funny. So basically, a, a husband dies, and then the wife and daughter find out he actually had another family. So he was leading a he was leading a dual life. He was like when he was popping out to work or whatever he wasn't. He was going and vice versa. So they didn't know about each other at all. So then you find out that two wives, but there's also the two daughters. Yeah, he calls them the same name. So one's called Kathy and one's called Catherine or something. You know, so that probably so that he doesn't get himself confused but it's very funny it stars rebecca front as one of the mums uh, each episode you get almost like another famous person drops in and plays so neil pearson played someone caroline quentin was in there it, again it's a very good writer um, i think i mentioned it on a on a previous stream episode um, one of my favorite shows 
was Motherland, and that's also yeah. ri- written by Holly Walsh. So this is also written by Holly Walsh. Mm. But it's very funny because the two families have got very different backgrounds. So one sort of white middle class and one sort of not quite so classy. And it is, it's just hilarious. It's very silly, but it's very funny and good light entertainment, which is what I needed during lockdown. So the other one that's only just come out on iPlayer, so again, 15 minute episodes, only six of them, is Diane Morgan. So do you know Diane Morgan? She's the one who does the Philomena Clunk stuff. And Oh, God, yes, I yeah. love her, yeah. So she, she's written, directed, and stars. So it's all done by her. And again, I think she made it during lockdown. It's basically, she plays this woman called Mandy, who, to be polite, is not very intelligent. But it is, <laughs> it is hilarious. It is hilarious how she stumbles through these these things and ends up just doing them doing really stupid things but again six six 15 minute episodes and then so again you can catch a 15 minute episode just to cheer yourself up and and make yourself laugh so yeah it's, it's called good. mandy is it it's called mandy yeah is it funnier than that cunt nonsense oh i think that is genius what she does as philomena cook i i agree with graham so i can't really say is it funnier i don't know but i thought it was funny but again you watch one if, if you don't like the first one you won't like any of the others so you'll know within 15 minutes can i just go back and that little aside that was you neil saying you agreed with graham wasn't it <laughs> i thought those ones where she's doing the historical yeah. recreation yeah. and everything and just getting it completely wrong just I'm hilarious a, i'm having a 2010 flashback i agree with nick Carry on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, get on. Yeah. (laughs) The other thing I found myself watching during lockdown more than I would normally, sort of real life stuff. So stuff, more documentaries and stuff based on real life, especially, and this was mainly due to the, the end of the previous Carry On streaming episode, Graham mentioned, had I seen The Last Dance, the Netflix series about Michael Jordan's career? And I hadn't, but then I decided I was going to watch it. You know, it was one of the first things I watched after recording the last Carry On streaming. And, oh, my goodness, it was addictive. Oh, my goodness, it was brilliant. I, yeah. I don't know anything about basketball, really, I, you know, other than watching a couple of films. You know, I don't really know how the rules work and, and, and how the scoring and all that stuff. Not only was it a really interesting documentary about a really interesting character, also I loved the way they edited it. I think Netflix have come up with a really sort of addictive way of editing these things. I'll get onto another couple that I watched on the back of this for the same reason. But what they did, which I thought was brilliant, was they they sort of had the, the, the final, the sort of last season, and then they would jump back like to the beginning of his career, and they would go forward and back, forward and back, but they would be linked on a topic. So for example, yes. they'd, they'd go back to when uh, they signed a new player. So, you know, Michael Jordan had been playing, but they signed this new player. And then they would go back to when that player started out and you'd see sort of him growing up and how his life was influenced, you know, his parents or whatever happened at school and how he got, how that player sort of got to that thing. And then the, the same would happen again. So, so even though it was Michael Jordan's career, they concentrated on like one of his teammates and they'd focus on a year where that teammate maybe had a, an amazing final shot or something or something that they were remembered for. They'd go back and talk all about that person. And Michael Jordan would talk about them as well and, he, and how, what he thought to them. And they'd talk about Michael Jordan. I thought it was really clever the way that you didn't just get the static, like this is the start of his career. This is it going through, which, which is another way of filming, but it's sort of an old, more old fashioned way of doing it, just going from start to finish. I thought this was brilliant, the way you could see that things that happened later in life were formed by what happened earlier in his life. You could, you yeah. could see the mm. connections. 
uh, yeah, and, and again, I learned about the different teams and I learned about all the playoffs and I had really got into it. And because there was no live sport on at the time, this was really good. I got, you know, really, you know, it was a good way to watch sport and exciting. And of course, because it's Netflix, they've made it exciting. You know, they've, they've done all the dramatic scenes, they cut out all the boring bits. You're watching the best bits, you're watching the highlights of the matches. Really, really good. I like it because Michael Jordan doesn't come out of it so well. They don't paint him as an angelic figure. No, um, he was a nasty piece of work in some places, and he, he kind he of was good in he space kind jam. of starts admitting it, and then he ends up saying, "Yes, okay, yeah, I was completely wrong here." It depends how you look at it. You're right; he was a bit nasty, but some of it was needed, and he sort of explains. Oh, yes, yes, he justifies. Oh, oh, yes. Yeah, he justifies it, and sometimes he just uh, has to admit, "Yeah, okay, I went too far with the bullying of general oh, manager." You're right; he wasn't picture perfect but it was a good look into the elite sportsman and why these people because there's only a few of the like the elite the top ones in their field what makes them elite you know what makes them because there are lots of really talented basketball players out there and a lot some of them he played alongside but why did he have that little bit extra and it sort of managed to do everything didn't he yes well, he also worked hard. You know, they said oh, it wasn't. Yeah. He was tra- yeah. he was training earlier than the other people. He was finishing later. He was determined. He didn't give. He didn't win. You know, most people they win one or two, and they think that's it. Now I'll just go out and enjoy myself. And some members of his team did do that. They took a different approach. But he sort of just wanted to keep. He was driven. He was so driven, which did make him a bit nasty at times. But amazing. And again, you see that in people like, you know, Stephen Redgrave, the rower, he'll, he'll switch into different boats at different teams, but he's, he was so driven. He was yeah. so determined. And yeah, that, that's why they become so famous, I suppose, and so successful. So I was so enjoyed that. It led me into two more Netflix series based around sport. I started watching Sunderland till I die. I'm not a Sunderland fan. I, I like watching football, but again, I loved the way they they went into the whole club, not just the football. They went into the, you know, the backroom staff. They went into the kit man, the, the physio, the, the the finance guy, you know, HR, you know, the people running the all the stuff you don't see. You see the guys kicking the football around on the pitch, but and there's a lot of money, you know, there's million, you know, when they did the last day, you know, when when you sign a player, and um, they do, you know, they're talking like millions, but they're like haggling over the phone, and they're all getting stressed out, and they're like, you know, do I wait a bit longer to call him back because he might give in and sell him to me cheaper or do I call him back and say okay we'll pay a little bit more because I definitely want you know and there's all this and it's very interesting of course I mean they know they're being filmed by Netflix so I'm sure some of it is, is is slightly filtered but it's really interesting to see the other side the the, the mm. back room of, of a football team which is more like a business yeah seeing how that's run yeah. and seeing how the fans a lot of the fans probably don't see that they, yeah you know, they, I mean there's there's another one on Man City as well and Dirty Leeds as well so, um, yeah, I'm sure they'll be doing others because they do loads of them on um, mm. American football teams and all sorts. Yeah, and I think they picked a really good team. I mean, they were lucky because they picked a, a team like Sunderland that, that has got a load of history and, and passionate fans, but also they picked them when they had a couple of years that were very eventful. No spoilers, but they were very eventful. So um, they had a lot to, to work with. It wasn't just like a normal season where they sort of didn't do much. There's a lot of big important things happened during the two the two series I watched and again it was I watched the first series and I had to carry on watching the second because I wanted to know what happens next if I followed football I'd probably know but I, I didn't follow them that closely can, can I um, just quickly put a disclaimer in please go what's that this is a, an official at the flicks disclaimer the phrase dirty leads is an opinion <laughs> of a member of the team <laughs> and in no way reflects on the other members of the at the flicks team 
Disclaimer over. Okay. But isn't that their name? I thought that was yeah. their name, Dirty their Deeds. Name. Yeah. That is their name. They got it on their T-shirts. I think so, yeah. Yeah. No, you didn't get away with it, Neil. And Brian Clough called them that, didn't he? Yeah, he did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. for good reason in his case. That's <laughs> very good reasons. Graham, you were going to say something before I interrupted you with the disclaimer. I'll put Sunderland uh, Till I Die on my list because, well, it is on my list already, but I keep avoiding it. So I'm definitely going to make an, an effort to actually sit down and watch it because hmm. that sounds brilliant. And then the third one of the three was um, I'm a big Formula One fan and I love watching Formula One, but Netflix did this series. And of course, there was no, at that point, there was no Formula One on. Obviously, it's, it's sort of started back again now. I watched The Drive to Survive. And the thing that was interesting about this was I knew the results because I, yeah. I knew who won the races. Yeah. Yet again, they filmed it in such a way, it was really gripping because, again, it was edited. And what they did, very much like the, um, the basketball thing, is they'd focus on a race that happened in that season, which we all knew the result of. But then they would, they'd be whoever had an incident in that season. So if a, a certain team or a certain driver had an incident, they'd sort of focus on that team or those drivers for that episode. And so it wasn't always, you know, Lewis Hamilton, because then it'd be boring. You know, we all know the result. He won the championship and everything. But so it didn't do it all like that. It just, it would focus on different teams. So one episode would be on the Williams team and they'd pick a race where there was more happened to the Williams team, whether it was good because they did better than they expected or worse because they had a horrendous crash or something. They would focus on that team or drivers during that episode. And then the next one would be about the next race, but you'd get and again, what it delved into, much like the Sunderland Fly Die and the football, is it delved into the stuff you don't see. So again, mm -hmm. Netflix got access to the garages and to, to interview the drivers before and see them driving their cars away and you know being in their car. And sometimes they seemed guarded, and other times they let their guard down. So you saw you saw the friction between the two drivers for the same team. But so we only see the pristine end cuts that you know that's got filmed by the media but what they may managed to get was the falling out you know the the bitching about each other you know i'm a better driver than the, him, arguments, the, the arguments, arguments between yeah. red bull and uh, and uh, renault and yeah yeah did you see both series uh yes i did yeah but i, I enjoyed the second one more than yeah, i did yeah. the first one but yeah i did see both yeah, and they are they are very very good so in summary, that those three are the three that I've watched. And as, as you guys say, there's more. But I think Netflix are really onto something here in terms of sort of the way of editing and filming sports documentaries. I think it was really well done. No such thing as a sports documentary or movie. I think I've said that before. Um, I think you Nick, lost, Jeff. I did lose, yeah. Yes, yeah. Did. If, I, if my memory serves me right, 2-1, <laughs> wasn't like, it? I, think. I, I got my yeah. ass kicked. I wasn't going to mention it. No. But, uh, Deck, you've got a very funny story about Formula One. I'll start it off and hand it over to you. A few years ago, Deck and I were at the uh, Cheltenham Literature Festival, and we went to see Ken Clark. So we go up to get our book signed, and I'll hand over to you, Deck, as to what happened next. The politician Ken Clark. Yes, that he's a big Formula One fan. Oh, I didn't know that. He's... Neither oh, did okay. I till Deck told me and was standing alongside me. And we're holding this queue up because he's signing the book and just coming out with the odd political story. Deck goes up and says, well, what do you think about this season then, where it's going? And that was it. We're there for five minutes. Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> do, I remember. Do you remember yes. now? Yeah. Yes, because was, the queue was getting quite quiet, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Weren't we, haven't we been there quite a while? We and had it, been there quite a while. Yeah. Behind us were there even longer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like doing that because they get must get so bored of answering the same questions, these people in these queues, because I bet they get asked the same questions over and over again. 
And I always like to try and think of an off-the-wall one. So, so yeah, that's good. Excellent. Hmm. Just the last thing on Netflix before I move on to other stuff. So, again, I said I watched more comedy. I caught the Space Force series that... Um, oh, right. Yeah. Scientists are weird. It's why you're the only Muppet that speaks nonsense. Even animal uses word. Mark is a little chunk ball who looks like Uncle Fester with an ass so tight he can make diamonds from the corn in his turd. Excuses are like assholes, Nerd. And you are a huge excuse. Uh, mixed is, is the mm. answer. So Definitely. Not, not as funny as I hoped, you know, the office was obviously a lot funnier, but there were some highlights and uh, I enjoyed it more than my, my son didn't enjoy it as much, but I enjoyed it more than him, I think. But things like, I still chuckle about it now, things like the, um, the chimp astronaut. I just thought that episode was, <laughs> sorry, things about the a chip, chimp astronaut, I thought that episode was so funny. The sort of battle with China. Uh, on the moon again it's just ridiculous it was silly but it was really funny so there were highlights it's a shame it could have been a lot funnier we've all said that and exactly we've all that. said strangely we've all said yes exactly that you know why wasn't it, it better yes. not me i haven't seen it i mean the first couple were really really good especially the one with the the chimp trying to get him to pick the tools yeah. up and that was just yeah. hysterical but uh, then it just seemed to die off speaking of chimps didn't the title space force come from trump Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's where it's, that's what it's based on, sort of thing. Uh, that's, right. that's, okay. that's where the comedy. I thought there was going to be a lot more about political shenanigans and that sort of thing, but it never seemed to pan out. No, you're right. It didn't. It wasn't quite as hard hitting or or yeah. as laugh out funny as it could have been. I mean, the cast, the cast, and everything were brilliant. I think they started sort of like that and then sort of backed off. I don't know what happened. Everything was there. It should have been good. Okay, and then I had mixed results on Now TV. I think I mentioned it in the last podcast. I watched Run, a short series starring Donum, Donald Donald Gleason. That's it, Donald Gleason and Merritt <laughs> Weaver. It starts quite slowly, and I nearly gave up on it because it sort of is a bit wishy-washy in the first couple of episodes. But by the time you get to the fourth episode, it turns more into a thriller. It's a comedy. They have this thing where they're old flames or old friends from university days. And they agree that if ever in their life, one of them texts the word, just the word run to the other one, then they have to leave whatever they're doing, whether they've got family, whether they've got a job, wherever they are in the world, and they have to meet in Central Station in New York. So they, you know, they might have to get a flight. Or, they, ha they literally just have to meet as soon as possible. And of course, right at the start, one of them receives from the other one, the word run, and it all kicks off. And like I say, it starts off slowly, but then it turns into a bit of a, a run, a chase thing. It turns into a bit of a thriller. It's amusing, entertaining, but it's also quite gripping. They filmed it in a way that is like a thriller, especially when it gets on the train and certain things happen and the, the police get involved and everything. And it does start to build up. I, I quite enjoyed it. I, but again, I'd say to people, if you watch it, even if you're getting bored after the first couple of episodes, stick with it a little bit longer because it does ramp up and it does finish quite well. It, it sounds a bit, I haven't seen it, but it sounds a bit like that show that was on BBC a few years ago, The Wrong Man's. Yes, yes, that's a good, yes, I think I think even my wife said that. It, it, it's similar to that. The Wrong Man's was probably funnier. Um, I was one of my favourite shows when it was on. Um, I thought it was funnier, but this is sort of, I suppose it's like an American version of it because, you know, Merrick Weaver is American, but he's he's not, But and they set a lot of it in America. And they're obviously selling it to a different audience, but you're right, it is, it is similar to The Wrong Man's. And the other one I caught on Now TV, which Jeff said I should watch, is Penny Dreadful. 
I think one of the words in the title is spot on. I thought it was pretty dreadful. Uh, <laughs> well, we got we we do have a separate show coming on that. Unfortunately, put back at the moment because Adil's had to be evacuated from where he lives in California. But when he's back, we will be doing a special. And Neil is on episode four. He's catching up. Oh, so I okay. think this is going to be interesting. Everybody but Deck so far has enjoyed it. Usually, it's me. It's the the odd one out. Mm, usually, the odd. I won't say too, I won't say too much because of the upcoming podcast and because you guys are still in the middle of it. But let's just say, summarising, I just didn't enjoy it. Well, Graham had some bad news about it yesterday. Oh, it's been cancelled. The season two has been cancelled. So oh, the industry that's, that's is with great you. News. That's great news. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not alone. Then someone else obviously thought the same as me. Exactly. Yes. It's a tough watch. I mean, it's not. You know, you mm. can't just binge watch it. There's uh, one too much in it. You've got to think about it. And there's, uh, I was just saying beforehand, the, the sense of foreboding and then layered on yeah. a sense of uh, uh, foreshadowing and then a, la- a layer <laughs> of uh, for- foreboding. If, 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 you think again, that, yeah. if you think that's a tough watch, go for Perry Mason after watching that then. Yes, maybe not. Yeah, we'll see. Oh, no, 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 no. You've got to watch Perry Mason. No, But it I, is I, tough. I, I, it's, it, it is a tough watch as in, the subject matter is tough, ah. but Perry Mason is my show of the year. Really. Right. It is Unlike- superb. Perry Mason is about the journey to do the right thing. How are you doing here? Just looking for justice. It's a show about characters. Everybody's up to something, hiding something. We just have like this giant cavalcade of great characters in scene after scene after scene. And everybody is guilty. Have you seen it, Dick? No, it's on my list. It's on my list. it's, It's essentially, so Perry Mason was a TV series from the 50s onwards. It starred Raymond Burr, and it went in different incarnations up until the 80s. And it's based on a series of books that started being written in the 30s to the 70s when the author died. And what the show is, is an eight episodes that's an origin story. How does this guy who is has got all sorts of problems, uh, he's an investigator, but he's still suffering from fallout from World War One. how does he become the Perry Mason that we all know? And it's so well put together. The mystery is good. The performance is Matthew Reese Again, show of the year, performance of the year. There are moments you can see the pain in his eyes. Is that good. And he's Welsh. <laughs> and they, they wanted uh, Robert Downey Jr. to play Perry Mason yes. because he was doing some other little Marvel thing. He couldn't dedicate the time. But even he now has said they picked the right actor. There's a line in it, which I wrote down. He's having an argument with somebody who thinks he shouldn't be involved in the case. And he turns to this guy, and uh, this guy had done some research on an incident that happened in his past. And he said, yeah, okay then. So I had one queer incident, and I'm half Welsh. Which one are you going to pick on first? (laughs) It's brilliant. Brilliant. Definitely on my list then. Some other things I don't know if you guys caught. So back to BBC. I watched the Salisbury poisoning, um, the three episodes about the true incident that happened in Salisbury. The people who took ill are Sergei and Yulia Skripal. 
Sergei was a high-level MI6 agent. So what do we think it is? We don't know yet. Novichok. It's one of the deadliest synthetic substances on Earth. Do not go in that house, repeat. Do not go in that house. Our job is to keep the people of Salisbury safe. Is it going to be OK? <laughs> I don't know. Is Salisbury safe? Yes. I don't think I can do this, Ted. This is just too big. You're going to see this through, and so am I, no matter what it takes. Scraper was a Russian spy. These are an innocent man and woman fighting for their lives. You and your family are now at the center of an international incident. We don't know the source of contamination or have an established chain of events. All we do know is that for the people in Salisbury, we are their only line of defense. The Salisbury poisonings across three nights on BBC One and iPlayer. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Probably wasn't the best thing to watch in lockdown because it just <laughs> made, made me panic a bit more, but very tense and very gripping, even though you know what the result is. And Anne-Marie Duff, I thought was superb as she normally is in most of her roles. Really enjoyed it. And, and it made you read up on it again. I mean, I love it when things do that, when you watch it and you think, is that right? And not all of it's true because they do have dramatic effects and everything. But yeah, quite shocking that that happened. Basically an attack on our soil from from the Russians. So. By a couple of inept Russians as well. That's where that wonderful education secretary, Gavin Williamson, give up that immortal Churchillian line, Russia, shut up and go away. Right. Yeah. The other documentary, which I... I think you might, I don't know if you've, I told you to watch it, Jeff, but I don't know if you have yet, was The Rise of the Murdoch. Brilliant. Dynasty, Absolutely which, brilliant. Yeah. He was and remains one of the most interesting people in the world. He always wanted at least one of his children to take over from him. There's no other media figure that has had the kind of influence that Rupert Murdoch has had. There's only one Rupert that we know. Murdoch's a proper danger to liberal democracies, if liberal democracy is your thing. A three-part series of the inside story. The rise of the Murdoch dynasty. I thought it was brilliant as well. I mean, other people I know haven't found it as brilliant, but I thought it was absolutely brilliant and absolutely shocking, really shocking how much power that man has had in the past and probably still has at the moment, but it, it might be waning a bit, But and, and how incidents in the world can be attributed to him. Amazing. It's top of my list to watch. Yeah. The thing that got me, there's three shows. The first is his rise and sorting out, because the heart of the show is who's going to succeed him of the family. And so you saw the rise, saw him in Britain. Essentially, I would say it's the Labour Party come into power. Would you say that's fair, Dak, the first one? New Labour, yeah. Second one is the news of the world crisis. And then all the reviews are saying, oh, you've seen the best two now. The third one isn't that good. And the third one was the one that had all the surprises. There was so much in there I didn't know. I didn't know, for example, and I won't say too much because the others haven't seen it, I didn't know he had a falling out with Blair and what the reasons were. That was just astonishing. What was it uh, called again, sorry? The Rise of the Murdoch Dynasty. Like you said, I was gripped and yes. shocked and shocked as well. Jaw open thinking, oh my goodness, you, you're not really told these things a lot of time. Yeah. But but I think what's interesting and what's going on now is it was quite clear, again in that third episode, Murdoch, he didn't believe Trump could become president. So Fox News were very much against him and then flipped. At the moment, what's going on in America, Fox News are for Trump. And I think they're going to flip the other way before the election because... I think they're already flipping, aren't they? Today, in fact, they were saying how presidential Biden was. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's starting. 
Fascinating how much influence the media can have on world decisions. Oh, God, yes. Again, there was a documentary on Sky Documentaries on the weekend. I don't know if you saw it, Deck. Bully, Coward, Victim, the story of Roy Cohen. Uh, so Roy Cohen was part of the team that got the Rosenberg, the electric chair, for allegedly giving the secrets of the nuclear bomb to the Russians. He was involved in McCarthyism, and he became a lawyer, worked with the mafia, and became a mentor to Trump before he died of AIDS in the mid-'80s. But there's also a section of that where he knew how to court people, people of power, and Murdoch was one of the people he centred on. Oh, what a tangled web. Yeah, another great documentary, though, but I've got to agree with Dak. The rise of the Murdoch dynasty is fantastic. The last programme I want to mention, I want to mention because I'm still confused myself as to whether I liked it or not. It's a very unusual programme. So it's called I May Destroy You. It's on BBC. Yes, this is top of my list. Yeah, so this is... Is it Michaela? Is that how you pronounce it? Michaela yes. Cole. Um, and I loved her chewing gum series when it was out on Channel 4 a few years back, uh, which was more of a comedy. So I was impressed with her writing. She was starring and writing in this again. And the subject matter about um, someone getting their drink spiked and then you know leading to um, things they don't want to happen, I thought was a really hard-hitting and interesting topic. And it is hard to watch. I, f- I found at times... It's quite interesting because she's a female writer and she's and she's black as well. So it shows a lot of things that black females would have to cope with, you and I wouldn't really know about. So it shows how the police treat people differently, how the police treat male and female rape victims differently, how she deals with it herself as well and with her friends. And I don't I don't want to give any spoilers, but the last couple of episodes are it sort of has different endings and I had to read up on it afterwards because I was confused as to whether I'd not understood it or not. And, and I'm still not sure. I'd probably need to watch it again. But it's quite good at getting the effects of trauma and how trauma would affect your outlook on things, on normal everyday things. Because you might, like she does sometimes in the program, just sort of say, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, it's it's in the past. It's it's something that happened. It, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't affect my life. I, I can move on. I'm stronger than that. It sort of does, and there's not a lot you can do about it. And so it's really interesting into how something like sexual assault can impact your life going forward uh, and, and how you deal with it as a person. So, yeah, a tough watch, and I, ne- I nearly didn't make it to the end, but it's, it stayed with me. I know it sounds really weird, and I, I sort of keep thinking about it and thinking, should I watch it again? Maybe I wasn't focused enough when I was watching it. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a very complex way it's filmed the way she's filmed everything a lot of it's filmed because she's like a blogger so she she films herself and puts it live streaming or puts videos up online which you know a lot of younger people do that's sometimes that's how they deal with things you know they're angry or something they'll they'll have a rant on 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 the internet um which can go good or bad you know sometimes it can have people saying yeah go girl you know and other times it can go the other way and it's like you know you're mad you're a stupid uh, yeah, just really interesting. Really interesting on that. Uh, and of course, because I'm slightly older and therefore not from that generation, it's interesting to see how their lives rotate around their phones and around the media and how they show themselves to the world. Um, so yeah, interesting, but but quite a hard watch, I found. What was the name of that again? I May Destroy You. Yeah, it's getting absolutely rave reviews. Well, it is different. Yeah. It's totally different from anything I've yeah. watched before, which is why... I think I struggle with it because it hasn't got any of the formulas that you're used to. It doesn't follow the route that you'd expect it to, like like programs do. You know, they have a beginning, middle, and end, and all those things that you're told when you're a writer. 
And she even mentions that because she's a writer in the program. You know, the, her character is a writer, so it's, it's it must be sort of semi-autobiographical. Because if I, don't quote me on this, but I believe she did. This has happened to her. I think something like this has happened to her when she was younger, which is why it seems so real. But she's a writer in it as well. And again, it's her story she's writing changes as well. So it's sort of it's all interweaved, and it's all it's very clever. It's almost I find it I found it at times too clever. I know that sounds yeah. It was yeah too much to take in, um, and for my brain to sort of work out what was going on. But uh, but yeah, you're right. Rave reviews, and I don't know what to say. It's just really out of all the things I listed, you know, all the others I could put into categories like I have done. You know, that, that one made me laugh, and that one was really interesting. This one, I don't know. At times it made me laugh. At times it made me cringe, shocked. I was shocked. I was horrified. All those things, yeah, just weird. That's all the stuff that is worth mentioning. I did what I did watch some other stuff, but there's no point going into those really. But can we just give a shout out for one in this section of the show, if that's all right, Deck? Sure, sure. It's a show still on iPlayer called Mrs. America, and it was a drama starring Kate Blanchett, Rose Byrne, about the ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment, and the struggle during the 1970s in America. It got shown on BBC Two to very little acclaim, really. It was almost buried there. It's a nine-part series, and it was fantastic. Is it based on Miss World? Is that why it's called Miss America? No, no, no. Oh, it's, no, um, no, no, quite, The yeah. complete opposite. Oh, right. Yeah, it, it, it's the political. So you had Rose Byrne plays Gloria Steinem, and you've got that movement that are trying to get the Equal Rights Act through, and you've got Kate Blanchett playing a character called Phyllis Shafley, who led uh, a women's movement against the Equal Rights Act. And she was extreme right, very right wing. I mean, these people thought that Nixon was a lefty. Um, <laughs> and the episode three, which is in the 1972 Democratic Convention, is possibly one of the best hours of TV I've seen this year. You know, since the last time we spoke, I've seen the whole of Perry Mason, I've seen the whole of Mrs. America, two of the best shows I've seen in years. Absolutely brilliant. And how, how many, is it lots of episodes? Is it Nine episodes. You see the ramifications uh, towards the end as to where we are now with the Trump regime and the rise of the, the Tea Party to the far right in America. It's all in there. Sorry, does it come right up to date then? or does it? it? It doesn't, but it lays the foundations for it. You see that when it gets to the Reagan era, you, you see what's to come. But you do need, uh, as a Brit, you will need to have Wikipedia close to you. Because yes. some of it is quite deep, yeah, and, yeah, and I, lots of it, I, I, I mean, I lived through this era, and I was quite engaged in reading about international politics. But some of it, I thought, when did that happen? I don't remember <laughs> that. What the hell? <laughs> Who? But no, he wasn't like that, was he? And then, yeah, it, it goes on. You think, oh, here we go, Ronald Reagan, and it goes places you don't expect. It yes. was just brilliant. Kate Blanchett and Rose Byrne are. Superb. And Kate Blanchett is so good. You know, she gets under your skin and you hate yeah. her. You really, yeah. really hate her. And you think, oh, she is just off the chart on this one. You've got other people. You've got John Slattery, Janine Triplehorn, yes. Tracy Ullman, Sarah Paulson. There's not Tracy Ullman. What a surprise. What yeah. a surprise. Yeah, she yeah. comes across very, very well. Yeah, you've yes. seen it as well, Neil, haven't you? Mm-hmm, yeah. As you say, it's a tough watch. You've got to um, keep a pretty much your uh, laptop on your on your lap, just sort of um, typing the constantly, going, well, "Who's this? What's happened here? Tell me this bit." Yeah, 
that, it uh, makes no concessions. It's like when you watch All the President's Men for the first time. If you haven't got that connection to American politics, you're constantly wondering who all these names are. And this is the same. But it's worth checking. Brilliant. It doesn't ruin it, though. It doesn't, the fact that you have to, it's just... No, no, I, I, I like Graham, I had Wikipedia. There was a couple of things, a couple of organisations they mentioned, some of the names. So Philip Shaffley, I, I checked, and there was Steinem, I knew. But a lot of the characters I didn't. And it, I, I just found it helped just to do a quick Wikipedia check as I was watching it and who these people are. Because I didn't know anything about the Republican movement at that time and all of this sort of homegrown letter writing campaigns before the internet. And it was really interesting. So I was checking all of that. I knew most of the women's lib movement. I knew about the magazines and the radical magazines they had coming out of New York and out of Greenwich Village and that sort of thing. I was aware of all of that and the rise of the LGBTQ groups and particularly the lesbian groups that were looking for uh, rights there. And of course, Roe v. Wade and the abortion stuff. I was aware of all of that. But it was the other side of the argument I'd never heard before. And it's just fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. One of the parallels of this series, and it's briefly mentioned, but if you look at the 60s as the time of the space race, and we have never had a decade like the 60s for for space. In the 70s, particularly in American politics, we've never had that involvement of women in politics in any decade since, and I include this one. That's how important this series is. And it's totally entertaining as well. Yes. I'll definitely have to catch that then. So that will be added to my list of what I'm about <laughs> to watch. Which right. So coming up now, as you say, there is a lot of stuff coming up later in the year, which I won't mention because hopefully you guys catch another carry-on streaming before the end of the year. We certainly will. So only just released or about to be released. There's four or five things that I'm quite interested in. So I watched the Umbrella Academy series season one, which was okay. And season two is getting better reviews than season one. So I'm looking forward to watching that. It's set mainly in the 60s, which I think is quite an interesting way to... It was growing on me, so I'm looking forward to continuing with the second series. Graham, seen it? Yep, I, I really enjoyed the second series. And you're right, it really picks up. Yeah, the first series I just found towards the end, I thought, oh, when is this finishing? Well, I think like you, Neil, I think if, if I hadn't have read the reviews and seen that the second series picks up, I probably wouldn't have bothered, but but I will do. I'll, I'll Maybe now. I'll go for it. Netflix have got a new animated series from the maker of Archer, which I know some of you guys like. Oh, yes. So Ben Hoffman. So he's now created this series called Hoops about a politically incorrect basketball coach. Who, yeah, I've started who, watching that. So yeah. I've been watching that this it afternoon. Is. I need to watch a full episode. I've watched half an episode. Oh, right. It's okay. It's not Archer, but maybe it improves slowly and uh, I'll get into it. I will watch it then. Yeah, so I'll probably watch that one. Then coming out soon uh, on Netflix is they've done a, one of these prequel things. They've done Young Wallander. So I loved Wallander with, you know, Kenneth Branagh and all the other people oh, who've yes. played him. I thought that, you know, very well written, very, very good. So they've done like prequels. So it's only six parts and they've basically done him as a as a rookie cop when he first joined the force. And the other thing that interests me is, um, I don't know the actor's name, but it's the guy who, uh, I mentioned it in my previous podcast, I watched a, a series called Before We Die, which I thought was very good. And he was the main actor in that, a young Scandinavian actor. So he... Adam Paulson. Adam Paulson, yeah. So he was very good. And so, so there's two reasons I watched that. So I like him and I like Wallander. So I'm looking forward to watching that. So you're getting back to your Scandi dramas. 
Wow, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Lockdown's nearly finished now. I've got to get back to some something like that now. I love Wallander. I could watch him over and over again and all the various versions. If they're doing Young Wallander then, brilliant. I'm in 100%. Then Amazon Prime is bringing out the second season of The Boys. So, again, can't wait. critically you know well-received superhero vigilante series so that returns so that should be good and again only eight episodes so anyone who's got amazon prime they can look forward to that and then channel four are releasing a program called this will be i'm not sure what this will be like but it's called adult material one of the reasons i want to watch it is i think Haley squires the young actress who was amazing in i daniel blake and things she's done since she's now playing a sort of a slightly older porn star who's you know been through the industry and has got three kids and everything so she's coming sort of to that bit where there's a, the younger ones are coming through and it looks really interesting it's going to be really interesting to see it's got a really good cast so not only she in it but Rupert Everett and Phil Daniels are in it as well I just think it would be something a bit different you know Channel 4 normally tends to do quite gritty you know they don't have so many people to please if, if that makes sense they're a bit more independent so i think that could be one to catch and when's see that coming that's coming out in september i believe i mean unless it's been delayed but I, i'm pretty sure it's coming out soon so i look forward to watching that a lot of the bbc ones that are coming out like uh, his dark materials the second series and a few of others all seem to be pushed back to the end of the year so hence i haven't really mentioned them on this this podcast hopefully mention them on the next one Adult material on Channel 4 does look quite interesting, and and I will catch that. Is that your list? That's pretty much it, yeah. So, as you say, it has got a bit quieter. The autumn season isn't as packed as it normally is. Sorry, Jay, as I say, can we give a shout-out for a couple of things that are ongoing at the moment? I'll hand over to Neil in a minute for one of them, but I started watching Lovecraft Country. Based on the book, it's produced by Jordan Peele and J.J. Abrahams. And it's set in the 50s about a black family who get involved in, I suppose, the occult and certainly H.P. Lovecraft and all of that sort of stuff. And it has, to me, the worst of both Peel and Abraham so far. In other words, they have a concept and they have no idea where to take the damn thing and certainly don't look like they're going to take this to anywhere near an ending. There's 10 episodes I've seen too. I've been unimpressed so far. The book is eight interconnected stories. It's moving into a new story next week and I hope it picks up or I'm going to give up on it. And that's on Sky Atlantic. And I'll hand over to Neil to describe Ted Lasso. Yes, Ted Lasso on um, Apple TV, which, um, yeah, it's worth buying it for that, I think. <laughs> if uh, if you like football, you will love Ted Lasso. If you don't like football, you'll love Ted Lasso. It is, it is hilarious. He's basically an American who knows nothing about football. He comes over to take over Richmond United, which is in the Premier League. Ha, ha, ha. It's a West London club. And they've got this really angry player who's who's a former Chelsea player who won the um, Champions League in 2012. And it's it's you just think are you talking about Lampard or are you talk? There are things in it. I've watched it twice. There's only four episodes, five episodes so far. I've had to watch it twice because I thought it's so funny. I actually sent an article to my son this morning from theringer.com saying, how on earth is Ted Lasso actually good? And this guy's going, this should not be good. This no. should be rubbish. And no. it's hysterical. The girl in it is is one of the stars. She's uh, Paula's girlfriend. The wag, yes. A, wag, a career wag. 
She is absolutely hilarious throughout it all. The main star is Jason Sudeikis. Jason Sudeikis, yeah. Yes, he is uh, very good. So, yes, I, I if you've got Apple TV, yes, definitely give it a watch. Oh, can I just give a quick shout-out as well for anyone who's struggling and wants a box set to watch? Last podcast, I recommended Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This podcast, I recommend Heroes, even if you only watch the first two series. You don't have to bother with the third and fourth if you're not enjoying it, but I would recommend watching series one and two. It's on the iPlayer currently. I have seen that pop up on, on my iPlayer, and I thought, oh, should I? Because I? I enjoyed the first two, and yeah. then it completely lost the plot. It did, but I recommend anyone out there who hasn't seen it, watch the first two. After, If you don't watch any more, fine, but they are two of the best series from that sort of era of television. Uh, but Rick, Rick and Morty are back, so I've got five more Rick and Morty. You're so happy. Oh, Graham. <laughs> Graham, are you going to watch High Score as well? Because that will be, you'll be interested in that as well, won't you? Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. That's again on my list. This list so big it's got its own gravity. A fantastic list. And I think you'll agree there's something for everybody. And like Graham, my to watch list has uh, grown pretty big. I had something to say there, but I decided reading it again, the double entendre doesn't work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving very swiftly on. I could banter with you, but to be honest, after that list that Deck's given out, I'm just going to go off and watch some of that now. Thank you all for your time. Deck, we've got a special edition coming up soon on Penny Dreadful City of Angels, which I know you loved, and I look forward <laughs> to your views. And um, then in a couple of months, we will have another carry-on streaming. I am already looking forward to that next update. That'll be around the time of Halloween. There's bound to be some good horror there. And also, just in time for Lockdown 2, the sequel. Ever the optimum. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, it's the prequel to Brexit then. Right, oh, okay. Good. On that note, I will see you all next time. Deck, Neil, Graham, thank you all very much. Speak to you all soon. Thank you, Deck. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Deck.